0: Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey, everybody. It's your girl, Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else all over the world. Let us be mindful that the Spirit of the living God is the life stream that keeps us. Indeed, that life stream is love. And although it will relinquish itself in an instant, for now though, it is our gift of life and the presence of God within us. It is our connection to all life everywhere. It is our mighty I AM presence. And when we consider those things of the Spirit, More often than not, then it becomes easier to feel those higher qualities for ourselves and everyone else. Amen. Give thanks and praises for loving life. And y'all be loved.
1: The messiah means of course the anointed one the hebrew word occurs some 40 times in the old testament and each time in the septuagint or greek translation made mainly in the third century before our era the word is translated chi ro iota sigma tau sigma or christos which again means anointed thus we see that the idea or the word the christ was in vogue in alexandria as far back certainly as 280 bc or nearly three centuries before jesus and what the word the anointed strictly speaking means, and from what the expression is probably derived, will appear later. In the Book of Enoch, written not later than B.C. 170, the Christ is spoken of as already existing in heaven, and about to come as judge of all men, and is definitely called the Son of Man. The Book of Revelations is full of passages from Enoch, so are the epistles of Paul, so too the Gospels. The Book of Enoch believes in a golden age that is to come, it has dantesque visions of heaven and hell, and of angels good and evil, and it speaks of a garden of righteousness with a tree of wisdom in its midst. Everywhere, says Professor Drewes, in the first century BC, there was the longing for a coming Savior. But the Savior God, as we also know, was a familiar figure in Egypt. The great Osiris was the Savior of the world, both in his life and death, in his life through the noble works he wrought for the benefit of mankind, And in his death through his betrayal by the powers of darkness and his resurrection from the tomb and ascent into heaven the egyptian doctrines descended through alexandria into christianity and though they did not influence the latter deeply until about 300 a.d yet they then succeeded in reaching the christian churches giving a color to their teachings with regard to the savior and persuading them to accept and honor the egyptian worship of isis in the christian form of the virgin mary Again, another great stream of influence descended from Persia in the form of the cult of Mithra. Mithra, as we have seen, stood as a great mediator between God and man. With his baptisms and Eucharists, and his 12 disciples, and his birth in a cave, and so forth, he seemed to the early fathers an invention of the devil and a most dangerous mockery on Christianity, and all the more so because his worship was becoming so exceedingly popular. The cult seems to have reached Rome about BC 70. It spread far and wide through the Empire. It extended to Great Britain, and numerous remains of Mithraic monuments and sculptures in this country, at York, Chester and other places, testify to its wide acceptance even here. I have already given so many instances of belief in such a deity among the pagans, whether he be called Krishna or Mithra or Osiris or Horus or Apollo or Hercules, that it is not necessary to dwell on the subject any further in order to persuade the reader that the doctrine was in the air at the time of the advent of Christianity. Even Dionysus, then a prominent figure in the mysteries, was called Eleutherios, the Deliverer. But it may be of interest to trace the same doctrine among the pre-Christian sects of Gnostics. The Gnostics, says Professor Murray, are still commonly thought of as a body of Christian heretics. In reality there were Gnostic sects scattered over the Hellenistic world before Christianity as well as after. They must have been established in Antioch and probably in Tarsus well before the days of Paul or Apollos. Their Savior, like the Jewish Messiah, was established in men's minds before the Savior of the Christians. If we look close, says Professor Bousset, the result emerges with great clearness that the figure of the Redeemer as such did not wait for Christianity to force its way into the religion of Gnosis, was already present there under various forms this gnostic redeemer continues professor murray is descended by a fairly clear genealogy from the trito soter third savior of early greece contaminated with similar figures like attis and adonis from asia minor osiris from egypt and the special jewish conception of the messiah of the chosen people he has various names which the name of jesus or christos the anointed tends gradually to supersede Above all, he is in some sense man, or the second man or the son of man, he is the real, the ultimate, the perfect and eternal man, of whom all bodily men are feeble copies. This passage brings vividly before the mind the process of which I have spoken, namely, the fusion and mutual interchange of ideas on the subject of the Savior during the period anterior to our era. Also, it exemplifies to us through what an abstract sphere of Gnostic religious speculation the doctrine had to travel before reaching its expression in Christianity. Pagan and Christian Creeds, Their Origin and Meaning, by Edward Carpenter, 1920. Isis Volume 2,
0: Chapter 1.
1: Among the Church dogmas which have most seriously suffered of late at the hands of the Orientalists, the last in question stands conspicuous. The reputation of each of the three personages of the anthropomorphic godhead as an original revelation to the Christians through divine will, has been badly compromised by inquiry to its predecessors and origin. Orientalists have published more about the similarity between Brahmanism, Buddhism, and Christianity, than was strictly agreeable to the Vatican. Draper's assertion that paganism was modified by Christianity, Christianity by paganism, is being daily verified. Olympus was restored but the divinities passed under other names, he says, treating of the Constantine period. The more powerful provinces insisted on the adoption of their time-honored conceptions. Views of the Trinity in accordance with the Egyptian traditions were established. Not only was the adoration of Isis under a new name restored, but even her image, standing on the crescent moon, reappeared. The well-known effigy of that goddess with the infant Horus in her arms has descended to our days, in the beautiful artistic creations of the Madonna and Child. But a still earlier origin than the Egyptian and Chaldean can be assigned to the Virgin Mother of God, Queen of Heaven. Though Isis is also by right the Queen of Heaven, and is generally represented carrying in her hand the crux ansida composed of the mundane cross, and of the staros of the Gnostics, she is a great deal younger than the Celestial Virgin, Nath. In one of the tombs of the pharaohs, Remises in the valley of Bibin-el-Moluk, in Thebes, Champollion, Jr., discovered a picture, according to his opinion the most ancient ever yet found. It represents the heavens symbolized by the figure of a woman bedecked with stars. The birth of the sun is figured by the form of a little child, issuing from the bosom of its Divine Mother. H. P. Blavatsky Book of Hermes, Pymander, is enunciated in distinct and unequivocal sentences, the whole Trinitarian dogma accepted by the Christians. The light is me, says Pymander, the divine thought. I am the newer intelligence, and I am thy God, and I am far older than the human principle which escapes from the shadow. I am the germ of thought, the resplendent word, the Son of God. Think that what thus sees and hears in thee, is the verbum of the Master, it is the thought, which is God the Father. The celestial ocean, the ether, which flows from east to west, is the breath of the Father, the life-giving principle, the Holy Ghost. For they are not at all separated and their union is life. Ancient as may be the origin of Hermes, lost in the unknown days of Egyptian colonization, there is yet a far older prophecy, directly relating to the Hindu Krishna, according to the Brahmins. It is, to say the least, strange that the Christians claim to base their religion upon a prophecy of the Bible which exists nowhere in that book. In what chapter or verse does Jehovah, the Lord God, promise Adam and Eve to send them a redeemer who will save humanity? I will put enmity between thee and the woman, says the Lord God to the serpent, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. In these words, there is not the slightest allusion to a redeemer, and the subtlest of intellects could not extract from them, as they stand in the third chapter of Genesis, anything like that which the Christians have contrived to find. On the other hand, in the traditions and Manu, Brahma promises directly to the first couple to send them a savior who will teach them the way to salvation. It is from the lips of a messenger of Brahma, who will be born in Kurukshtra, Matsya, and the land of Pankola, also called Kanyakubya, Mountain of the Virgin, that all men on earth will learn their duty, says Manu, Book 2, Slokas 19 and 20. The Mexicans call the father of their trinity Zona, the son of Bacab, and the Holy Ghost Eshva, and say they received it, the doctrine, from their ancestors. Among the Semitic nations we can trace the trinity to the prehistorical days of the fabled Cessistries, who is identified by more than one critic with Nimrod, the mighty hunter. Manathau makes the oracle rebuke the king, when the latter asks, Tell me, O thou strong in fire, who before me could subjugate all things? And who shall after me? And the oracle saith thus, first God, then the Word, and then the Spirit. In the foregoing lies the foundation of the fierce hatred of the Christians toward the pagans and the theurgists. Too much had been borrowed, the ancient religions and the Neoplatonists had been laid by them under contribution sufficiently to perplex the world for several thousand years. Had not the ancient creeds been speedily obliterated, It would have been found impossible to preach the Christian religion as a new dispensation, or the direct revelation from God the Father, through God the Son, and under the influence of God the Holy Ghost. As a political exigence the Fathers had to gratify the wishes of their rich converts, instituted even the festivals of Pan. They went so far as to accept the ceremonies hitherto celebrated by the pagan world in honor of the God of the Gardens, in all their primitive sincerity. It was time to sever the connection. Either the pagan worship and the Neoplatonic theurgy, with all ceremonial of magic, must be crushed out forever or the Christians become Neoplatonists. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 When you call our heaven on earth into physical manifestations in this world, it doesn't make any difference what changes take place in the future, nothing can contaminate our heaven if we lower it into this octave. So, it's the only eternal safety that you have. It's the only eternal protection that you have. It's the only eternal mastery that you have. It is not idly, I assure you, that we've been turning your attention to the use of the ascended masters heaven made physically manifest on earth. We must begin to build this perfection into this world, and then expand it as we keep calling forth the consuming of all the mistakes of the past. Every time you consume destructive etheric records or anything that is mankind's miscreation, if you do not immediately replace it by our immortal heaven on earth, invincible against all wrong forever, if you do not place it there, then more human creation can come in and occupy the place where the human creation had caused such discord. So, when you speak of the ascended master's divine plan fulfilled their way, that always manifests their invincible heaven on earth, you can just as well call this into outer physical conditions to purify everything, bring all into divine order. You can balance everything, you can hold protection for what is constructive, and if you don't bring this here, then human creation will flow in again, and again create discord. So blessed ones, we are the only permanent correction of the conditions in this world that mankind has built which are so vicious and so frightfully destructive. And no matter how destructive they are or how vicious, when you call forth the great central sun's cosmic Christ blue lightning purity that annihilates their viciousness out of the universe for eternity, it can strike. And when it strikes, it eats up the viciousness, compels its annihilation, But then as soon as that purification takes place, replace it by the Ascended Master's divine plan fulfilled their way, the Ascended Master's heaven of earth immortality victorious over all human creation, and immortally free from anything that mankind would do in the future that would create discord. You must keep on commanding until everything is purified, and the world rebuilt into the original perfection that was here before mankind manifested or embodied here. Beloved Mighty Victory. The great beings who have created this world built a beautiful world, manifested for two million years everything of beauty and perfection and harmony, not one bit of discord. Mankind's needs were precipitated from the atmosphere, and that was the original divine way to live life, till mankind's attention wandered to the creation and was held there instead of remembering the divine pattern and the divine beings who had given all. From now on we must reverse what mankind has done, because we are in the cycle of the violet-consuming flame wherein you are all authority, and so is the violet-consuming flame, to put an end to mankind's evil. And so, when you call forth the great central sun's cosmic concentration of the violet-consuming flames all-purifying sacred fire love that compels the prevention of all evil, and you demand the ascended master's heaven on earth to manifest here as it did in the two first golden ages, wherever you abide, your experiences will be those of our world. You will live, move, and have your beings in our world of permanent harmony, victorious accomplishment, and invincible freedom from the distress that has tortured you through the centuries. But you must command. You must take your stand. You must decide, and you must day after day demand your being and world blasted free forever from all connection with human discord or human creation of any kind. We cannot do that for you. We can pour our love and pour the violet flame, but you are the authority by your own free will to command what must be manifested where you abide. Beloved Mighty Victory